If you'll turn your Bibles with me to the eighth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. It's been, been several Sundays in this chapter. We'll spend yet another next Lord's Day. Mark chapter 8. This morning we're going to pick up with verse 27 and read through verse 33. As always, let's give careful hearing to the reading of God's Word. Jesus went out along with the disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he questioned his disciples, saying to them, Who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, but others one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. And he warned them not to warned them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Again, that is the word of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for the truth of your word, and we know that it is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, we pray that you would use your word effectively this morning as the sword of the Spirit in our lives, that you would, O Father, Uh, speak to us through it, that you would be our teacher and our guide as always, and that you would point us, O Father, to the truth in this text, because we know that the truth is found in Jesus, our Savior, in whose name we pray, amen. You know, we all have opinions, and most of us have an opinion on just about everything. Now, an opinion is just that. It is your opinion. And nothing more. It is your view of something. It's your way you think about a person or a place or a thing. And by their very nature, opinions are very subjective. Now, I'm sure, for example, that all of you have an opinion about me. If someone were to come in to the sanctuary this morning and take 20 of you outside... And ask you individually, what's your opinion of Bob Schwanebeck? He would probably get a variety of answers. Uh, Some, I hope, would be positive. Some might be a little indifferent. Others might be not so favorable. Some of you might say, you know, gee whiz, I really hate that he's retiring. And others might say, you know, finally, it's about time for a change around here. Different ones of you would probably give a a different opinion about me. Someone recently shared their opinion again about me that I am a dinosaur. A relic of the past. I kind of took that as a compliment. (laughs) 
But in terms of your relationship with me, the only opinion that matters is your opinion. What someone else thinks of me is really inconsequential to my relationship with you. Your relationship with me is based on one thing and one thing only, and that is what you think of me, what your opinion, your personal opinion of me is. And, and the same thing you see was true in regard to Jesus. There were many different opinions that people had about Jesus. In fact, there were probably more and differing opinions about Jesus than about any person who had ever lived. And that's exactly, you see, the question people were asking. Who is this man? They just couldn't figure him out. They couldn't understand exactly who he was or what he was about or what exactly he was trying to accomplish. There were many different opinions floating out in the public about Jesus. What most of them did not realize was how important their opinion of Jesus was. In fact, you see, their opinion of Jesus was a matter of life or death. You know, your opinion of me matters to me. It matters to us. It matters to my relationship with you. But beyond that, it's not very important. Your opinion of me does not affect your your life in any significant way. It doesn't have a bearing upon your personal happiness or your sense of purpose in life or the state of your soul. However, people's opinion of Jesus did matter. It mattered a lot. Their opinion of Jesus determined whether or not they were forgiven of their sins, if they had received the the gift of eternal life, and if they escaped the, the danger of hell itself. Yes, I would say that the people's opinion of Jesus mattered. But folks, the same is still true today. The most important opinion in your life is your opinion of who Jesus is. If the same 20 people were to come in, or the same person was to come in and take the same 20 people out in the parking lot and say, what is your opinion of Jesus? your answer to that question will be far more significant than your answer to the question of what your opinion is of me. Again, in the long run, your opinion of me really does not matter. But your opinion of Jesus matters a lot because the state of your soul hangs in the balance. And that's the issue in our text this morning from Mark chapter 8. And Jesus raised it with his disciples, with the twelve, as they were walking along together on a particular day. Jesus asked them about their opinion of him. He made it clear that their opinion mattered. And by implication, it's clear in the text that our opinion of Jesus matters as well. It matters a lot. Just two things this morning. The, the first is simply I want you to see the importance, the vast importance of making a personal decision about Jesus. 
As the text opens, Jesus was walking with his disciples. They've been in Bethsaida, a fishing village uh, on the Sea of Galilee. They're now traveling north toward Mount Hermon uh, to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. He's walking there with the 12, and the 12 have been with Jesus for quite a long time. They had seen him do and say many different things. They'd spent many hours with Jesus over the past couple of years. No one knew Jesus better than these 12 men. But Jesus knew it was important that they understand exactly who he was. Jesus understood that the closer he came to the cross, the more difficult it was going to be for his disciples. The closer he came to the point of crucifixion, the more difficult it would be for his apostles to stay with him and to stay true to him, to remain loyal to him, keep their commitment to him. And so as they walked along this day, Jesus struck up a conversation with them. And it appears he asked them in somewhat of a rather casual and nonchalant way, who do people say that I am? I think what Jesus is saying to them was, look, you all are out and about more than I am. You rub shoulders with the public more than I do. You hear what people are saying about me. What do you hear? What are they saying? What's the opinion of people out there about me? Well, Jesus asked an honest question. He got an honest answer. They said, well, verse 28, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. But others one of the prophets. Truth is, Jesus, there are all kinds of different opinions about you. But you know, the, the common thread in those opinions that the disciples gave, they heard people telling them out in the public was, there was something unique about Jesus. They couldn't figure him out, but they knew something was special about him. After all, they said, John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. It's clear they saw Jesus as being some kind of messenger from God. But they couldn't place it. They couldn't place him. And, you know, the best they could come up with, he must be some kind of Old Testament figure reincarnated. Elijah, one of the prophets. John the Baptist. John the Baptist already had been killed by this point. Now, and that was all very interesting. You know, public opinion polls can be fascinating. People get paid big money to, to kind of get the pulse of people out there to figure out what's their opinion on a wide variety of issues. And so I'm sure it was somewhat interesting to Jesus to hear about all these opinions people had about him, but that's not really what Jesus was interested in finding out. That question was just a leading question. The question Jesus asked about the opinion of people out there just was a way of leading Jesus to the question he really wanted to ask. Because then he turned to the disciples and said, but, but the point is, what's your opinion? What do you think of me? 
Who do you say that I am? Now, it was no surprise that Peter is the one who spoke up and gave the answer. Peter was the self-appointed spokesman for the 12. Now, every group needs to have a spokesman, helps to have a spokesman. When I was pastoring First Presbyterian Church in Louisville, I became somewhat disenchanted with the local school board, so I ran for it myself. And I was elected. Eventually, I became the president of the school board. And as such, I was the spokesman for the board. No one was supposed to talk to the press except me. Well, Peter wasn't the president of the 12. He had been appointed to be the spokesman. He was self-appointed. But whenever there was an answer to be given, it was Peter, wasn't it? Always Peter speaking up to give his particular opinion. And he's the one who responds here. He said to Jesus, you are the Christ. Matthew adds that he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what we know as Peter's great confession. That was Peter in his greatest hour. We might say his greatest moment. No greater, no more accurate opinion of Jesus has ever been made than that. Peter said, you are the Christ. And by that he meant Jesus was the long expected Messiah, the son of God who had been sent to deliver God's people and to set them free. And by making this confession, Peter made it clear he didn't just have an opinion about Jesus. He had the right opinion about him. Peter and the others understood Jesus to be exactly who he was. He was the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, it's clear this was a private conversation. And Jesus didn't want it to go any farther than right there. He says to them in verse 30, not to tell anyone about him. In fact, he warned them, it says, not to tell anyone about him. Now, again, if you were asked those two questions today, if someone were to come to you and say, what do you hear about Jesus? What, what do people out in public think about Jesus? Well, it'd be just like in, in Peter's day, wouldn't it? There, there'd be a lot of different answers. They would be different from his. But some people would say, well, he was a great teacher. He was a great moral leader. He was one in a long line of religious leaders. You know, he was a, he was a man who was after justice, who really was there to assist the downtrodden or the discouraged or the, the disadvantaged. You get all kinds of opinions about Jesus even today. Folks, it really doesn't matter the opinion people have out there. What matters is your opinion of Jesus. Oh, it matters for their soul. I don't want to say we shouldn't be concerned about people's inaccurate opinions about Jesus. But the most important question to ask yourself is not what is the opinion of people out there about Jesus, but what is, what is my opinion of him? 
What do I really think of Jesus? Do I really understand him to be the Christ? The long-expected Messiah. The Son of the living God. Do I see him to be the Savior? Sent from God out of his love to redeem his people from their sin. And not just an opinion of who he is and what he's done in abstraction, but do I have the opinion that Jesus is not just the Savior, he is my Savior. And I don't just believe it and have an opinion of him in my head, but I've embraced it with conviction in my heart. Make no mistake about it, your opinion matters. Look, folks, salvation is the most personal decision you will ever make. No one can make it for you. The elders can't make it. Your Sunday school teachers can't make it. Your pastors can't make it. Your parents can't make it. Your grandparents, no matter how godly they were, they can't make it. You've to make it yourself. When you stand before God on the day of judgment, the only opinion of who Jesus is that will matter in your life at that time is yours. Whether or not you believe and trust in him to be your savior from sin, the second thing I want you to see from this text this morning is the importance of embracing Jesus exactly as the Bible says that he is. The right opinion is the starting point. You know, you don't have to know a whole lot about Jesus to be saved. You don't have to be a theologian to be redeemed. You just got to know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you're a guilty sinner and you need him to save you from your sin. But if you're going to be a true disciple of Jesus, following him, committed to him, living for him, then you need to have a more accurate understanding of who Jesus is. You don't need to just understand that he's the Christ, but what it means that he's the Christ. And this is what Jesus began to clarify for his disciples in verse 31. We're told them, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Now, as you study the Gospels, you always have to remember that there was a general expectation among the Jews of the coming of the Messiah. They were expecting him to come. And they had expectations of who he would be and what he would be like. And the general expectation was that he would be a mighty kind of military figure who would come and deliver the Jews from their bondage to Rome and to their oppressive taxation and to the Roman rule under which they suffered. And they were looking for this one to come who would set them free from all of that. But of course, that's not who Jesus was. That's not what Jesus was about. That's why so many people in Jesus' day missed the point. 
their idea of what the Christ would be and what Jesus was were incompatible. And they couldn't understand what it meant that Jesus was the Christ. And and so Jesus wanted to make sure that he and the 12 were on the same page. And when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, he understood exactly what that meant for Jesus. And so again, he said, son of man is going to suffer many things. It's going to be a hard road. The Jewish religious leaders are going to reject me. They're going to ridicule me. They're going to mock me. They're going to crucify me. Oh, but that's not the end. After three days, I'll rise again. Well, it was Peter who spoke up again. Because all that, you know, was strange. Suffering, rejection, crucifixion were not what they had in their mind when they thought about the Christ or they thought about the Messiah. And so Peter couldn't understand any of that. It didn't make sense to him. And so Peter, being Peter, takes Jesus aside and he began to rebuke him. It's like Peter thought he knew better than Jesus. And what he said to Jesus was, this shall never happen to you. Imagine that. Peter taking the Son of God and saying, "Uh, excuse me, but I think you've, you're incorrect. You've got it all wrong. That, that, that's not what the Christ is. That, that's not what the Christ is going to experience. This will never happen to you. And there we see Peter going from his finest moment to his worst. Matthew tells us that after... Peter's great confession when he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus blessed him. Blessed are you, Jesus said, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And Jesus goes from blessing Peter, saying, look, you have gotten this from my heavenly Father. to chastising Peter and saying, you are at this moment from the devil. That's what he says. Verse 33, turning around seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Going from blessing Peter because of this information he'd received from his heavenly father Jesus turns to Peter and says, you are at this moment Satan himself. Get behind me, Satan. Satan was using Peter to try to detract Jesus, to try to deter him. 
you know, in Jesus' human nature, I'm sure he would have been happy to have said and agreed with Peter saying, well, I hope you're right. <laughs> hope this will never happen to me. You know, we see it, don't we, right before the crucifixion? When Jesus really faced the cross and he, he prayed to his father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Wouldn't Jesus have loved for Peter to have been right? That this will never happen to you. But that's why the Son of God was sent. He was sent to die on the cross. Look, I began this sermon by saying your opinion of Jesus matters, and it matters a lot. This condition of your soul depends on it. But where do we understand who Jesus is and what Jesus is like and why Jesus came or what Jesus expects? It's here. It's here. You can't have your own opinion about Jesus. That's where Peter was. We need to understand really who Jesus is and we find it in the pages of this book. We must embrace Jesus as he is, not like we want him to be. Jesus is loving, compassionate, caring, forgiving. But let's not forget that Jesus is demanding. He is expecting. He is calling. He is requiring. And he requires us to live in a certain way. We can't make up our own rules and regulations. We can't say, well, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do it regardless of what Jesus tells me to do. We must embrace Jesus as he is. As he presents himself in the pages of God's holy word. You see, Peter had, he had the right opinion. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. But his right opinion wasn't, wasn't really right, was it? Because he, he had this idea of who Jesus was, but it didn't match with who Jesus really was. And don't think there are a lot of people in the world just like that today who have their own idea of who Jesus is and what Jesus expects or what Jesus requires and it's not it's not what the Bible says and so my point is make sure you've got the right opinion that you understand who Jesus is that you understand why it was he died on the cross and shed his blood in such pain and agony there. It was because of sin. Well, that's easy to say, isn't it? Jesus died for the sin of the world. Well, it's a little more personal than that, isn't it? Jesus died for your sin. He died for my sin. Try to think back, maybe to this morning. When do you remember you sinned? Jesus died for it. 
That's why he was hung on the cross. He is to deal with every sin that you'll ever commit. Jesus, folks, indeed, paid it all. Your opinion matters. Your opinion of Jesus matters more than anything else in life. Make sure your opinion is right. And you're trusting only in the one who really is the Christ, Son of the living God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for its conviction, its power. And Father, I pray for all of us that we would have the right opinion of Jesus. That we might embrace him not just as our Savior, but also as our Lord. Not as just the one who rescues us from our sin, but who guides and directs our lives who places requirements on us who expects things of us Father may we not be like Peter who had a truncated view of Jesus but may we have a full complete whole view of who Jesus is what he's done for us and how we can best live our lives for him We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn is Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Let's stand together and sing.